Welcome to the Happy Mindset Show, episode number 16. Today's episode is called A Journey Towards Inner Beauty. And today I'm joined by Shirley Liu. Um, Shirley is an international marketing executive with over 12 years of strategic brand experience in companies such as L'Oreal, Estee Lauder in France, UK, and Asia Pacific region. Um, today I'm interviewing her because she also went on her own personal hero's journey. And now she devotes a lot of time to inspiring millennials and helping them to get in touch with their own goals in life and their personal journey and how to navigate the world with that understanding. So thanks for joining us today, Shirley. Thank you very much for having me, Dennis. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, first of all, I just want to, before we even start, I just wanted to congratulate you and give your happiness mindset a shout out and a huge support. Um, I know that you you also incorporate, and but you've been spending the last year and a half kind of doing, you know, cultivating this platform, which is all about, you know, stimulating everyone to gain clarity and intention in everyone's personal learning journey. And I think that's a that's incredibly significant and meaningful um, project to do. And the fact that you're doing it in your personal time in parallel to your corporate job, I think it's, it's brilliant. And like we were discussing earlier, courage and inspires courage. And I think your story and your example really needs to be, you know, I would love for everyone to, to see it. And, um, and to know that we're all doing this um, at a personal level, which is identifying things and, and values that we can give back to society, to the others around us at our own individual level. Um, luckily, media is quite democratized right now so it's it's wonderful you've set up a website you're doing youtube you're doing podcasts you know um and just starting off but it's a wonderful way to do it and we can everyone can do it in their own way so i think congratulations to you i'm very inspired by your example um, and, Thanks and for that, so yeah i just wanted to bring it back to you again i guess where, where did it all begin for you so what was your dream when you were growing up in uh so you grew, up, you grew up in Thailand, I think, originally, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I have, um, I'm, I'm Taiwanese, and my parents are Taiwanese. I was, I was born in Taiwan, and um, I left Taiwan when I was six because of my father's business, and I grew up in Thailand, where I went to American school. Um, and then, you know, I went to the UK to study. I started a career there. I became a citizen. I had my first property there. I had a life there. And then um, destiny calls and, you know, I sort of caught a curveball in life and took on an opportunity for work and came to France in 2011. Um, so that was sort of my, you know, my journey. And, and during my time as a young teenager in Thailand, um, I still remember quite clearly, you know, at 16, I had identified to say, oh, I really wanted to you know, I'm passionate about cosmetics and I really wanted to um, have a career in marketing management. Um, and so being in the, uh, you know, a manager in a world-class cosmetics company um, became my very innocent kind of goal. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I sort of spent, you know, the next 12 years working towards that with a lot of help a lot of mentors and and obviously you know gaining the right skill sets to get there professionally um the interesting thing was because i had 
I guess now in hindsight, it's a great, um, it's great to have a, a focus to, to work towards, but I, you know, I obtained that, that um, goal at, at 28. And because I had been so single-minded about it, which is in a good sense of the self-discipline, but I think when I achieved it at 28, I was suddenly, you know, a bit lost and I thought, what, this is it? my goal for so long so i obtain it and why do i feel the sense of loss and emptiness and what is left one of the natural steps was you know when i look at my good friends and colleagues was you know when once they achieve that then the next part is settling down and you know um mortgage kids and everything and i thought well that's wonderful but part of my me my personality just felt like there must be more so I went into the next few years um, really starting to, you know, go into a state of there must be more and what is my purpose? What is my meaning? What is the meaning to all this? And there must be more. I couldn't answer it in the short term because it was a huge, huge topic that, you know, many people in past histories tries to answer and everyone had a different answer. So in the next few years, really um, educating myself and also in existentialism. I went into philosophy, I went into literature, just trying to gain some insight from predecessors ahead of me who had, you know, made a lot of way into thinking about what their meaning was. Um, and I, you know, it took me a years to slowly first of all, gain a bigger scope in my mind that there is, you know, that, that life is bigger than macro and, and our daily kind of just work and et cetera, that there is a magnificent force that, um, which is nature, which is something that's beyond human comprehension. And, you know, once my mind stretches to the universe and, and to to different dimensions, the possibilities of knowledge that I know for sure that human mind cannot comprehend, um, but we have intuition and we know that it's bigger out there. You know, when I started thinking about that and then coming back to, to feel how, how um, tiny we all were in this grand scope of things, and, but still recognizing that there's a universal theme such as you know, love, compassion, meaning, evolution, all in there. And so it really changed the scope and context of where I looked at things. Also from a personal level, I tried many different ways to, to try to define my meaning and purpose of my life. And in the end, I came up with two torture tests that I think really helped me. And, um, and this is you know two sort of formulas that I've kind of organized that I teach uh, the young professionals that I mentor today. The two things are torture tests were on our tombstone, if we could use one word to describe our life, or what would be the one word that our friends and families write on our tombstone that we would be really happy and proud of, and but just one word. Um, I know there is other, you know, kind of methods with a eulogy, but with eulogy you can fit loads in, but with just one word and really is the torture test. I went through like a couple of years thinking about, oh, would it be successful? Would it be, you know, 
funny? Would it be rich? Would it be whatever? And I just put loads of words on and kind of listened to my gut instinct and how I reacted with that. Nothing really, really clicked and, and until I came across the word inspirational. Um, and I think, oh my God, that's a huge word to, to live towards. But if I could have that as my, my true north for my life, the purpose and intention of my life, I would be very proud and I would be very happy. And I think, you know, this would be very, this would be a very worthwhile word um, to live towards. And I, I, I do want to live towards that uh, for my life. And, um, and then I had to then also define to say, how can I be, you know, inspirational? There's many ways to, to deliver the word inspirational. What was my own KPI and my own um, offerings and, and value added? And I think in the end, it's really about, I sort of quantify it as the number of, of people's lives that I was able to, um, touch and, and bring value and bring goodness to uh, in my lifetime. And, you know, whether that's at a micro level, whether that's, you know, just one-on-one -on -one with the people I talk to, with the people I mentor, um, and the people I interact with or, or work with, or one day if we're, you know, lucky enough and successful enough to build a public platform where we can influence tens of thousands or millions, um, at a macro level, people like Bill Gates, you know, people like Oprah Winfrey, Anya Huffington, Sheryl um, Sandberg, also with her lean-in groups, and that would be very worthwhile. And if I think about these examples, you know, they're really profiles who have all worked very hard in their primary careers, succeeded. They've also went through their own trials and heroes journey. And they, they delivered excellence in what they do. They maintain integrity um, to the point where they are successful and they're, um, they're, they're, they have a lot of resources, but, you know, in, and they still then apply themselves to this newfound public voice and platform to contribute themselves to championing themes that um, give service to the society uh, that they're passionate about. And I think, you know, at the end of, really at the end of our lives, I realized one thing that, and this is my second torture test, which is in the end of our lives, if there's no bigger moment of truth than us versus us. Even if we're lucky enough to be surrounded by friends and family in those last breaths, in the end, in that moment, it's just us having an inner dialogue with ourselves and, and asking ourselves, did I live a good life? Did I love enough? Did I give enough? Was I proud of myself? And the moment I realized that, then I realized actually the person I need to really, you know, the validation really comes from me all along. And so that was the moment that, you know, when the validation shifted from a more, from a younger self, you know, as females, we also, you know, there's an element of culture where we're brought up being, we have to be good girls and part of that means pleasing and so therefore unconsciously our culture makes us place a lot of validation outside but the moment that I realized that you know there's no bigger moment of truth than that one last moment it's me against me hmm. all that validation shifted right in and I became my validator 
I was able to quiet down all the external voices outside. And because of that, I brought myself space and freedom to then fend off um, me physically trying to, you know, jump through those hoops mm-hmm. and come back to being centered and have the time and my and, and headspace to define my own own core values, my own inner compass. Who do I want to be in the next in the future? Uh, maybe 10, 15 years as a person, and who do I want to be as a leader in a corporate? Because there's also many different types of leadership, and you know, who, what do I stand for? What are my um, convictions? And how do I, um, how do I build those core values that anchor me? Whilst on a daily basis, there will be things that challenge me. So I kind of went through that um, entire journey, and I'm not saying that it's an easy process because I think the the homework of looking inside us and challenging ourselves is always the most it's it's very energy consuming hmm. um, and but I also think there's no greater reward than the process of digging inside us gaining self-awareness um, and defining and clarifying what we stand for because it makes the whole life a lot more meaningful it gives us a sense of direction and also serenity that comes with it and self-confidence because we're you know we we're we're marching in our own um at our own rhythm and i think the success to anything really is um yeah self-awareness and the action of looking within so when did your introspection really start? Was it when you got that job at 28 and you realized I still feel kind of empty inside? Or was it before that? It was then. So I had joined Lauder um, and I worked from, my, from, my, um, from the bottom. So even before I, I joined the cosmetics company. So while at 16, I knew that I wanted to go into cosmetics industry. That was my passion. But often in life, you know, we we have to take zigzags sometimes because there is you know there's um you have to be at the right place at the right time sometimes for for opportunities to appear and the only thing you can do is to prepare ourselves uh, for when that comes so i had wanted to build an international career but at the time i didn't have a european citizenship so it was really um it was really kind of just a wild dream um, wanting to build an international career, but one that I know so vividly in my head that I wanted to. And I remember when I first went to the, the UK and I had never been to the UK before, but I literally just packed up my bags and I said, I'm going to the UK and I'm going to study. My parents were like, why? Why do you need to go so far? I'm like, I want to. So I've never been to the UK before. I just applied and I packed up my bags and I went. I remember on the flight, I was sitting someone um, next to an executive, I think probably, you know, someone similar to a PNG caliber kind of thing. And he was, he was very friendly and lovely and he was just chatting and he said, oh, well, um, and then, you know, how long's your course? Are you planning to come back? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm 
I really want to build an international career. So I do want to, to try to, you know, find um, opportunities to stretch myself in a new market. And he was like, oh, very encouraging. And he said, and what kind of companies are you looking at? You know, you do have in mind. And I was like, well, I say Lauder, PMG, etc. And he was very, very um, encouraging. But I could also, you know, sense and I think it's very normal reaction that it's, you know, at a time when it was even difficult for home students to find a job in those kind of caliber um, companies, what was the likelihood for someone without this kind of, you know, paperwork to, to do that. And, um, and, uh, and I remember that, and, and he was so friendly about it, and he was very, you know, empathetic about it, but I remember that. And so I sort of landed, and the, my master's was, you know, from day one of postgrad course, I knew I wanted to do it. Uh, so I started finding ways. And one of the formulas I always have is, and I share with my mentees is never um, hold back into dreaming bold. After we know inside and can negotiate with ourselves to say, this is what I want to achieve and it can be as bold as we can, then, you know, maybe perhaps that's point B of saying where we want to, what we want to become and do. And then reflecting and looking at point A, which is where we currently are and what our current resources, skill sets and everything is, then working out the distance in between, the gap in between to, and breaking it down into steps to say, what are my constraints for getting to point A to point B? And then, you know, factualizing it, perhaps it's, it's financial resources, perhaps it's skill sets, it can be broken down then tackle it one by one. So if it's financial resources, okay, maybe look for a loan or get some help. If it's skill sets, then look for the right courses or the right credentials, um, certification, anything to make your CV or whatever qualifications you need to make it more relevant and convincing. This um, formula has served me very well in everything that I do, um, which is dream big, figure out the point B, look at your point A, what your current status is, and break down and list down what are the constraints between point A and B, and then tackle each one, you know, very pragmatically. And um, that's the way I've sort of then tackled a lot of things in my life. It gives such a sense of, of freedom and liberty. And I think a lot of the times people hold themselves back on their dreams because they are too intimidated by the idea. And in fact, if you break it down and be very logical and pragmatic about it and be willing to work for each step, it's really achievable. It really is. And the more you do it, the less intimidating it becomes. Being honest with yourself and where you actually are to begin with in point A, I find that's the struggle for myself. It's like being honest that I'm actually here and I want to get there. Is that something other people struggle with or? Yeah, I think so. I think so, definitely. Because the, the, the part of realization that, you know, the hard part is the emotion that comes with it. And I think the key to that is to counter that sense of lack mentality and to have to build and train strong emotional muscles to say, I can, I can do it. I can face it. Okay. And make it very factual the the strength that the person has to have inside has to be very important and all of it can be trained i 
didn't start, you know, kind of having such a strong inner core or knowing how to process all of these challenges from day one. I've learned and I, I, I found that it, these muscles can be trained. You know, there's three things I, I, I really champion that I've also learned through the journey, which is we all need to have self-esteem, self-love and self-compassion. And while they all may sound the same, I break them down into their very different. Self-esteem, I think, is the respect we have for ourselves. Self-love is the ability to be generous to ourselves. Self-compassion is the ability to forgive ourselves and to not self-bash. And I think, you know, people can have high self-esteem and high self-love, but they can be very harsh on themselves. And oftentimes, I think, you know, when we're coming back to your question, when we're looking at point A, and you feel this, this overwhelming kind of discouragement and loss, and et cetera, a lot of that negative emotion comes from the third part, which is self-bashing. Because you feel terrible about yourself that, you know, your current situation is this, that I'm not good enough, that I lack this resource, that I ended up, you know, I don't have the right skill set. And you fall into a cycle of self-bashing. Um, then you feel, then of course, you're, you're, the energies are channeled in the wrong way. Instead of trying to do something productive and breaking it down and tackling one by one, you go into the swirl of self-bashing and self-doubt. So I think in these moments, um, monitoring our, our own emotions is very important and being aware to say, okay, I'm, I'm going down this route. And then pulling up the muscle of, self-compassion, which is them being able to moderate ourselves and self-coach inside and say, hey, have self-compassion. You know, don't bash yourself. Uh, let, let's see how we can do it because most of the times, you know, circumstances can be changed. I, I read one phrase in the book that I, I really resonated with, which is on self-compassion, saying that we all have that inner voice in our, in our minds, which, you know, give us doubts, et cetera. And it said that those voices that make us doubt ourselves are not the voice of our highest self speaking to ourselves. So therefore, it's important to just recognize when they come and, and be able to, you know, lovingly and gently, but assertively put it away in the drawer that you say, this doesn't serve me, therefore I'm going to change that. And a lot of our behaviors really come from what happens in our internal dialogue, in our headspace. So gaining and, and strengthening the muscles to know how we then moderate the frequency then in the dialogues that happen in our, in our headspace is extremely important to conditioning us to have the right foundations to be able to pursue our dreams and to you know, moderate the quality of motivation and energy that we can source within ourselves uh, because that's the, the one thing we can't depend on one person or outside to give us that charge of energy and validation it has to be sourced within and when we gain that muscle where we're confident to say it's inside me I can moderate it I can always generate that determination and courage it's the biggest confidence kind of um, reassuring thing to know that Whatever life throws at me or whatever that's coming in my way, I'm confident, I'm serene because I know I have that skill set to, to moderate it and to, to resolve it. And it gets better and better with time, with age, mm. with 
challenges that you're able to to come over and then one day you're able to teach it to other people yeah. do you remember that was there a specific kind of day or time when you started realizing that your internal state was different to the external circumstance it didn't depend on the external circumstance that they were separate um i think it it was yes i i can in hindsight i can identify it it was a combination of perhaps six years of you know before um when i started l looking and and thinking about the meaning of life the meaning of my purpose et cetera, et cetera. um that took about six years of slow progress because i was actually only becoming aware of these ideas and concepts and reading and you know kind of gaining that knowledge so slowly and slowly it kind of snowballed yeah. and the peak of it i think was last year when i took a year of sabbatical um, from work and i went to you know i just took a year away from my corporate life took distance um, to really think about at a turning point in my life to say who I am now, because I had grown a lot also um, during my time in my life and also in corporate career. But, you know, when you're in a corporate, it's always very quite busy. So as much as you, you want to try and think about many, many things, um, it's not as, as equal as you are able to really take distance and really, you know, get yourself off the radar not be in touch with everyone, but being in your own company and having that dialogue with yourself and having a new community of, um, of people to learn with. And I, so I, I enrolled in executive education, which was immensely stimulating. Um, and to be honest, it was so interesting because having that space gained the, the quietness to grow spirit, spiritually. Mm -hmm. And being with a new cohort of stimulating um, professionals who all came back to school, really, because everyone was trying to look for some kind of answer in their lives at that crossing point. So, in fact, we did learn a lot of technical skills, but the, the one that was the most meaningful learning from each other was our exchange of life stories and, you know, our dilemmas and our trying to find our next definition and our core values. And so the two put together, you know, the growth and spirituality and the and this intellectual stimulation and, and life experience changing, plus getting away from my normal life cycle, taking distance and time for myself, plus all those six this muscles and knowledge that I had, you know, really put in bit by bit, week by week, year by year in those six years of trying to find myself, trying to expand my mind with the universe, with philosophy, with psychology. All of that clicked together in the last year. And I had immense transformation, I think, in the, in the last year. Because I don't think these kind of awareness and transformation really happens overnight. Mm. Um, Sometimes it does happen. I, I have some examples of, of people who gain that level of immense um, um, maturity and, and awareness and perspective. But you, that comes with the major life trauma. You know, mm. um, those are very painful. And I, I, I don't wish anyone go through. I'm very lucky not have to go through. And I think most of the population 
um, hopefully don't go through that. But growth comes from an evolution and usually wisdom comes from pain. Um, and, you know, I think when we're lucky enough not to have those kind of major life traumas that transforms us, it's still really worth it to start looking within and, and knowing that there is all the worth to be spreading that kind of, you know, intensity over years. Because I'm really glad that I went through all that exercise and now having gained a certain level of awareness of myself. And I think it's a lifelong journey. It doesn't really end, um, you know, right until the last breath. But hmm. I'm glad to have gained a, a certain level of um, awareness at my 30s. And to be, have the next 50 years of my life to continue that growth and living my life in purpose mm. and, and therefore bigger joy and quality and knowing what I want, how I want to build my life, who are the tribes and people that I want to, you know, build around me, etc. Because essentially that is our responsibility. Our life is an um, accumulation our life is the result of a string of choices that we make on a daily basis, you know, whether it's big or small. We're really accountable for the kind of life that we, we um, present to ourselves. It's no one's making those choices but us. Hmm. So you mentioned community there. When, when did you start realizing that you were the one determining a lot of the people that were in your environment? Because you, you can easily get into the mindset of, a prisoner that I'm around people that I don't really want to be around or I'm stuck here. It's not my choice. But when did you start realizing it is kind of your choice? Um, somewhere along the journey, probably if I were to, to define all this in seven years, probably in year four, five, five. Yeah. And, um, I think, um, you know, I think all of us, when we were younger, um, we all go through the period, maybe in our teens or, you know, young adult feeling like there's, we've all had the experience of saying, oh, I must force myself to go to this networking event or this party because um, I need to build my network or whatever. And the thing is, you know, you kind of really go and you don't enjoy it and you feel exhausted, your energy strained, but you still continue that cycle because you think or you hear that is the right thing to do. I think then I went into that exercise and, and the more I started to look inside and to define what I, I resonate with and I didn't. And with those values that brought me to the kind of people that had similar values and then became my tribe and saying, oh, these are the people I, I kind of gain. We stimulate each other and we gain positive energy from. And these kind of are the kind of people that, you know, our values don't, are not on the same frequency. And therefore, I, I sense that my energy level is draining. And to be honest, there's no right or wrong in, in people's, um, you know, personalities and choices, et cetera, and values. It's just a matter of whether, you know, whether you're on the same wavelength and it's, it's nothing personal, but you have to um, curate the tribe around you. So I think when I was looking inside, getting to know myself a little bit better and defining what, what uh, inspired me, I want to learn from, or the cohort that was on the same frequency, 
I was then able to make much guiltless choices to say, well, I'm not going to spend my, you know, uh, I'm going to prioritize my time like this, or I want to be around this community because I gain growth, et cetera, here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to, you know, to feel we're still really respectful, not guilty about it. And the joy then, you know, maximizes when I was able to be assertive and, and, and that's the part of self-love. That's my second part where I kind of, you know, kind of um, grew in that sense and saying, well, I'm going to not put myself through experiences or parties or cocktails that I don't want to because mm-hmm. it's my energy. Um, so, yeah, so uh, now I've been quite, you know, I'm uh, quite blessed to say I really have a, a tribe, you know, cohort around me who I know um really grows me and stimulates me and supports and each other in in the right way and it's it's um bringing me towards evolving towards the direction that i want to evolve and to become this person that i want to become of this leader of this person or this individual but first in order to curate your this this community i had to be super clear about what what i stand for what was important to me so again it comes back to self um, awareness. I also learned one thing in the in the last few years, which is I started monitoring my own feelings uh, a lot. And this is what, you know, um, young professionals, they ask me very often to say, well, how do you know? How do you know? How do you do all this? And I said, well, I don't really know. And sometimes you think you know yourself, you don't, but your intuition knows better than logic. And the key is then to um, build this habit of monitoring our own feelings um, at all times. That is, what are the circumstances, people, topics, whatever, that um, you know, elevates my energy. And I always think people are a spectrum human beings and psychology is so complex that we're all made up of a spectrum of brightest brights and the darkest darks situation and people will trigger and bring out the brightest in us or the darkest in us and i think all of us you know we at least me in this journey i make a decision to say well i really like the version of me that is in my highest vibration that is in my noble um you know sense and I'm able to serve etc and I want to live my life in the brightest brights because I that the the joy and the quality of life and also my mental space and my inner um, sense of beauty is is just so much better and and fulfilling and enriching therefore I always want to stay in that sense so I started, you know, monitoring my feelings to say, do people, circumstances, jobs, topics, does it make me feel like I'm in my higher vibration or lower vibration? And because I want to become a higher vibration version of me, then I start making choices and filtering out all the things and people and circumstances that brings out the lower vibration in me or the darker sides of me. So I was able to shift that, um, the conditioning in the physical world um, through conscious choices. 
And but I think what's very important, I, I wish I learned earlier, was the ability to really monitor how I felt. Hmm. Just listening to my gut um, and my intuition. And just, you know, very simply and, and not even judging to say, is this right or wrong? Just saying, purely saying, do I feel good about this? Is this giving, lifting me, me up in my vibration or is it pulling me down in my vibration? Two simple questions, put them in different jars and then you, you know, put yourself more and maximize the, the one that gets you into your brightest brights and minimize the other one. In a very diplomatic way, in a very, um, you know, constructive way, and the life changes. And I know that the, because I had conditioning my environment like this, that I will be able to remain in my higher vibration more of the time. And the more, it's not going to change overnight, but the more that I am in that state of mind, the more it becomes me and my identity over the years. And, um, and once I started being aware of myself, um, I started having increased sensitivity of people's energy too. Because it's really interesting. Um, I think, you know, everything in the world is made up of, of vibrations. So whether it's plants, it's, you know, atoms, it's, it's human cells. If you put any cell under a microscope, you'll see that it trembles and it vibrates very you know, slightly, and we're all made up of millions of that. We all give out vibrations and energy um, that is very, you, you know, you, you can't pretend. It's a very raw sense of energy. And our intuition really picks that up before our logic does. Mm -hmm. And it goes beyond any superficial kind of titles, appearance, everything. So trust that energy Start to identify that to say, does this person have good energy? Um, do I feel the purity in their soul, in their intentions, in their personality? Do they have a beautiful soul? Or I feel like, you know, I'm not sure about this energy because there's some kind of darkness here or it's a little bit murky. You don't have to explain to yourself mm. fully. It's, you know, you don't have to understand why this energy is murky. You don't. You just simply say, well, it, you know, I, I sense it, then I'm not going to. Because just some part of your intuition already knows that something or value, either value personality-wise, is, is not aligned. Mm. Well, that's important that you said there because it's, it's, um, it's easy to start overthinking stuff where they think this is yeah. more just a feeling you get a sense and sometimes it might actually feel like you made a wrong decision but in hindsight you'll see oh maybe I actually did make the right decision there no yeah don't Trust second me. guess yourself because yeah. I think the trap with overanalyzing is you start the the social kind of norms and you know all those things that you were conditioned to know then starts to seep in and you mm -hmm. will second doubt yourself but um the intuition is very raw. So always go with that and don't try to, you know, burden yourself with trying to explain why. Trust it because our intuition is our best guidance system, is our best sat nav. We just have to honor it, respect it, and, and get to know it well enough to know that how we process the information that it gives us in a human life physical way and make the best out of that. And if I listen to all the inspirational leaders who have had a you know, really successful life and authentic, they all say that they, you know, they, 
they follow their intuition and but in in a very constructive way so i'm not saying you know we should follow our intuition and just give in to all of our desires etc but um, i think it's finding the the right balance and, and building the right muscles to say here's my intuition how am i going to deal with it you know manage it and and um, use it in a way that brings me towards where i want to be best version of myself fulfilling my purpose becoming the person i want to be and it becomes incredibly valuable um, resource. Would it come back to getting clear on your values, your core values, and your and your priorities before you can really start leveraging the intuition? I guess, or is like using your intuition a bit more? No, help? I think I think um, coming into, I think the the first step is still uh, working out the the core values first, hmm. and then intuition then becomes a filtering system. Yeah. Um, to say whether whatever that's coming your way that life brings you is it aligned with this and that because you know sometimes we can't the surface is not what it seems and then we use our intuition to assess to say yes or no but I think um, the core kind of getting to to know ourselves is really work and sometimes we think we know ourselves but we don't really know until we're in that situation and i, I usually um, recommend young professionals um, various um, various methods to try to do that because you can't do it all on your own there is there's only so far about listening to yourself that can bring you because you also need out you know external stimulations and information to compare them bench against that so two things i um Three things actually I, I recommend a lot of young professionals is one, you know, when they're still in university, um, use access the um, alumni or career center mm. or alumni services. Usually they will have um, career coaches who are very trained to have these dialogues and know which are the right questions to pose. And um, so they will guide you and stimulate a lot of that thinking. They will also have an entire database of surveys that are normally really expensive for corporates and for, but for universities, they'll, they'll, you know, they have the resources to cover that um, for free for the alumni and students. And there are surveys after surveys of computer algorithms and really intricate kind of um, questionnaires that look at your psychology and profile your strengths and weaknesses um, in a scientific way. So when I like go through that, even now, if I can, you know, if I have access to any of that, um, I, I do it. And because there's always such a, a sense of awe and pleasant shock to see your profile, your personality being analyzed in paper, black and white in front of you, very theoretically. And you're like, oh my God, you know, so I, th this is who I am. And, so, and then there's a level of acceptance and, or just awareness and addressing and accepting that to say, this is me, this is my trigger. So one of the things through this that I found in myself was that power was incredibly important to me, that it was a, it was a psycholo psychological motivator. And I was shocked because, you know, in our culture or in the general sense, um, power is always quite negatively kind of labeled. So this um, survey kind of 
told me that my tower is one of the power was one of the top three triggers what was important to me that I'm driven by that but then it analyzes in detail to say that there is power for self and then there is another kind of power for public which is more mm -hmm. for service and gladly I sort of fell into that pile so that um, exercise gave me two values. One that I was able to accept, okay, so power is, you know, is a part of my trigger or my motivation. Therefore, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to respect that. And I'm going to embrace that in everything that I look for. Because then that means I, I in my job choices, in my, the desire to impact, I have to honor that in order to be happy. The second thing was I, I found a, where, a reassurance to say that, well, now I understand why I'm always, you know, I, I desire impact. I look for impact. I look for opportunities to serve and to, to join communities where we can make movements together. It's because this was a part of me that is, you know, the power to impact and influence, but to serve. So I sort of went through and I, I would, um, <clears throat> I recommend that exercise, which is free. Uh, any educational um, institutions, they'll have some kind of uh, <clears throat> resources like this. Use those as much as you can throughout your career because no matter how many years we graduate, we can always tap into that resource and they will always be welcoming. Second thing is to um, have mentors. Mm. Um, I, you know, all of the questions that everyone has most of the time, um, your mentors who are 10, 15, 30 years older than you are, who has been through the journey and just ex simply life experiences more. You can figure out answers or they'll share the rights, they'll share their stories, their glory and success um, failures, or they'll able to be answer your questions and stimulate you in the right way. And that just saves a lot of time. I wish I had known that much earlier and that's what I share with young professionals now is don't be afraid to reach out and to tap into, you know, mentors who are successful in their careers, in their life, and just to ask for help and say, I want to learn. And when you do it in a very um, sincere way, everyone wants to, wants to give. Hmm. Um, but the key is, though, to reach out and learn from the people who are aligned with your core values again it comes back to that you know you have to then you know what you who you aspire to and then you reach out to those profiles and you learn from them because when you don't work out that first you just reach out randomly to people especially when you're based on um superficial kind of val uh, appearances it's very it's very dangerous because you could be receiving information that leads you on the right wrong path and leads you further away from you could the best version of yourself. So <clears throat> identifying that first and then reaching out to people and judge people by their by their personality, by their values, by what's inside, by their inner beauty. That's um that's going to to take you in the right direction. That makes sense. Uh, I know from talking to people that I get the impression that the white noise of the internet is a big problem. We're not we're not able to filter things out. I think if we're clear in our core values and what we're looking for from life, it automatically starts filtering and sorting the stuff out for us because we've got that guiding question for where we're going. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. And you know, nowadays, especially with our day and age, um, there's so much information and opinions and, you know, um, true and not true floating out there. And I think we can we can never return back to the society or the era and age where it was, you know, information was more simple. The best vaccine against that is really to to build that core inside and to to trust ourselves in navigating and filtering out the the information for us. So, but you can't really fil you don't know what to filter out when you don't know what to look for. Mm. Um, so knowing ourselves and building that core inside is the first step to anything makes sense so like you're you do motivational speaking so did you ever have a fear of public speaking because i know it's like the number one fear people have yeah um now i don't essentially i just want to serve and i believe in transmitting that knowledge back to the younger generation so that they're better than us um and you know this is what i always say i say you know in the baby boomers in our parents generation there's the midlife crisis that's at 45 50 and the young millennials they have quarter life crisis so what that tells me is you know the younger generation they're so intuitive and so smart they're asking the right questions very early on and but the problem is I don't think they have the benefit of hindsight and life experience to be answering that profound question of what is the purpose of my life at 25. And the value of us in our 30s and 40s, 50s, 60s is just to you know, be able to give time to them and share strategically, share our stories, all of our glories and failures. And all of us easily have 10, 15 years of you know, where we kind of went the wrong way to share to them and the thing is the key is not to project our dreams or regrets on them but simply just in a very authentic way to say here here are the information i didn't have when i was your age trying to build a career but these are my full package all the ugly and the good and my successes and my failures here it is along the way a few formulas that i kind of you know worked out to say this is the fastest shortcut i give them to you and I hope you make better choices than we do, because as a generation, we want you to succeed faster than us. We want you to achieve more joy in life than us. Is it possible to have successful career and a meaningful life and material wealth and, you know, a, a great passion? Yes, it is possible. But the thing is, the alignment has to be made early on in life between around 20 to 27 you know when you graduate from your education and and perhaps you've you're a young professional having a couple of years of work experience 20 to 27 ish you can still change the foundation in your life and try to find that alignment the more your purpose your passion and your your meaning is more aligned and your career is more aligned the happier you'll be in in life because what is the, the thing about midlife crisis midlife crisis is you're climbing a ladder and you come to the end just to realize that the ladder was on the right wrong wall that it should have been on the other wall but it's too late to do anything then because of that helplessness of changing the the status quo and to undo the life to start over then they fall into this kind of um, moment of crisis and saying, oh, you know, et cetera. 
So I think our mission and our value as is this generation in our 30s is to really be giving back and sparing some time uh, to the, the 20s and, and making sure that they are more successful than us as a generation, just like how we are more successful than our parents as a generation. And same thing, they have to give and pay it forward as well. And I think when that becomes then my conviction and my reason for you know, like you volunteering my personal time to be championing these messages. Um, I then realized that it's not about me that giving these talks or spending time to, um, to, to be, to be giving fuel and to spreading these kind of messages. I'm just simply a channel that is trying to channel this greater force of truth, which is, has always been prevalent and is universal, is um, meaning, is love, is compassion. Ultimately, I think the conversation, it's about us having a dialogue and posing the right questions to the audience and the echo that we're able to stimulate in their hearts and to say, yes, I never thought about that before. Oh my God, that's really profound. Have I been self-compassionate enough? Have I really worked enough to get to know myself? Have I, have I honored my feelings enough from the beginning till the end of any talks that we do? And it's about the individual. We're just there facilitating that echo, facilitating as a human mirror, because we've you know fell enough times that we know what are the right questions to ask to stimulate and ferment and initiate that kind of you know thinking um so in fact it becomes a very personal experience to the person well it's what's the biggest issue millennials are, are facing today that, that you've seen yeah that's a really interesting question i love that question um I think the millennials are very stereotyped by the world. Um, and, you know, I'm a huge advocate and huge fan of millennials. I'm, as you know, they're, they're starting to come into the corporate and workforce and I learn as, a lot from them and um, I've also transformed from them. I think they're the most intelligent um, generation by far, um, most intuitive, most authentic, and most purpose-driven uh, generation. And, uh, but I think, you know, they, the, their challenge is trying to gain understanding and appreciation by a very different uh, generation who are probably the generation of the baby boomers above us, um, who, you know, they came, and I, Standing in the middle, I, I can resonate with both sides and I have compassion and empathy for both sides because baby boomers came from a world and time where you had to, you do have to, you know, um, it takes grit and it takes that level of proving yourself and doing apprenticeship and da, 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 et cetera for years and pursuing a very linear life in order to obtain you know, material comfort. We can't really judge or blame them that they don't get you know, the, the younger ones and think they're too pampered, etc. We have to have compassion with them because that was their experience, life experience and they did earn it the hard way. And you know, they're a product of that generation at that time and age. 
And you know what? They have their own challenges too. Their baby boomers are being labeled in a way that is very misunderstood as much as the millennials. Mm. Um, and these are the two generations across who have both have their um, values and talents and et cetera. But I think our, you know, especially the baby boomers are, are applying their own personal experience and standards on a world that is already changing. And I key, think the key is then to have, you know, come back with a very open mind and to, for them to appreciate and see the, the preciousness of millennials and, and what they give because they're a, they're a fantastic generation. I think our, our role in that is to be the, the bridge in that, to facilitate that conversation and that appreciation and to, you know, to exchange, to say, well, you know, to say to the millennials that, that the baby boomers also have their own challenges and practicing compassion and standing in their shoes, et cetera, is also important. And knowing where to leverage their, their value, because if millennials really want to find good mentors, you know, obviously they can, they can search within the 30s, but these baby boomers have immense immense wealth in their life experience to to give to them and usually within a corporate environment you know there's a difference between mentors and sponsors you know mentors will guide you and give you the emotional support that you need but sponsors are people who go a step beyond and because they're they are you know they work their way up to decision makers and organizations so Sponsors of people who believe in you are willing to put their credibility on the line to vouch for you and to make a difference in your career, to propel you, to give you a chance to bet on you. And having, you know, so missing out on the baby boomers uh, to, you know, leaders with the right value that they aspire to become is missing out a huge part of life resources. So I think both sides you know it's a very interesting time um but personally i have one of the reasons i feel so optimistic about the future is millennials i think i am always so impressed when i talk to them and you know even in the even in the in the parkland um you know the the teenagers and school kids who stand out and to to be starting a movement on their own, their organization, their articulation, their courage, their intelligence, it blew me away and I think a lot of people away and they inspire us. And like I say, courage inspires courage. When we see people like that and when we see courage, it doesn't matter what age it is, courage is courage. When people see courage, it draws out the courage in each of us and we just want to do good. And they're a generation that is that has a very good foundation intellectually. They're the most educated. They're the most intuitive. They're the most authentic, most purpose-driven, and they're they're really passionate. They're really driven by their passion. Once they believe in something, they go. So you know, this generation has so much to succeed, and this generation will lead our future. The world that we will live in when we become older mm. is in their hands. Um, I, I'm so optimistic that it's them that's leading our world and therefore I feel even more purpose to say we need to arm them with all the knowledge and resources that they need so that they can be the best generation yet 
and they will do the same to the generation after us. And that's the duty of educated global citizens. And you know, it's a choice that we can all make. And we have each of us have plenty of resources and experiences to give to them. We just need to, you know, be aware. Oh, we can bring value, and that they would want to listen to us and champion it in our own way. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, hearing both sides and then leveraging the, the benefits from the perspectives of both sides. I guess that's uh, yeah. cool. Um, so, on your journey, was there any book that stands out in your mind that was like a really insightful book or that stood out for you? Yeah, definitely. I think the one book that really um, changed, uh, that was so influential for me, was John Steinbeck's East of Eden. East of Eden. What's that yeah. about? One. Mm-hmm. I printed it out for you. Okay. What's, what does that talk about? Well, um, John Steinbeck is a really well-known um, American author who won the Nobel Prize, and, and East of Eden is one of his, you know, major works. And a chapter 24 in this book is something that I, um, that changed me, my thinking, and my life. Because there was one word inside in chapter 24, which is called Timshell. This is my favorite word. Timshell. Yes, it's in Hebrew. And essentially, the whole story is talking about humanity, existentialism through a story that takes place in, in the West. And uh, in chapter 24, some Lee, this, this cook, makes this um, revelation. Oh, Timshel. Timshel means thou mayest. And that means human, you because you know there's a difference between you should you could but thou temshul means thou mayest and that means as human beings we have complete liberty to choose in our free will to say are we going to choose in our highest best noble version of ourselves or are we going to choose in our you know little human minds and it's a choice and a free will. So when I say I now, you know, having really read into a lot of things and then gained into things, I, I do believe that there is a greater force. So I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I don't think I will ever understand, you know, to, to what extent that magnificent force is. But I do feel like a lot of things like nature, it's an intricate clockwork that is fully orchestrated to a delicate sense that is beyond explanation and so there's many things in our life that you know that we live within the clockwork and the orchestration of this magnificent force like nature many things that we can't control um so i i do feel a sense of surrender to that um in the past couple of years having understood that with that surrender comes, I, I start to understand, you know, the kind of joy and surrender when people talk about in, in various religions. And with that, you experience serenity and joyful anticipation. However, within that bigger context, there is a level of free will at human level. And that is the choice whether the universe or the magnificent force or the external world will not interfere with us it's purely our own decision that's the free will it says it means we're in this context okay the the world happened life happens but how we deal with it how we respond to the world in life is purely our free will 
we can respond to the same thing in um, a, a you know, very wise, spiritual, compassionate way, loving way. And therefore, it's always a very noble reaction and embracing and of appreciative of the human spirit. Or it can be more of the small human mind, which, you know, often comes with the emotions of humans at a mundane level, which is insecurity, jealousy, anger, etc. And the choices between that really is, is on us. The nature is not going to interfere with that. So Timshul is the word that really struck me to say, God, we have free will. We have a choice in all that we do. And I, you know, I, I desire to make all of my choices in the noblest form possible. And in my highest vibration possible and that is my choice and that is the way I want to live my life and so that really is the the underlying thing that you know um, that became a part of my core values um, and it determines everything that I do is I, I think about it to say how am I going to react to it am I going to am I going to give into my human you know um, emotions at a small level or am I going to elevate and try to to react in my noblest version possible. It's not always easy because sometimes mm -hmm. emotions kicks in. So it's a conscious decision and it's a form of self-discipline. Um, but the reward of, of liking oneself a lot more and um, it is immense afterwards. And also because you're reacting to the world in that way, in a loving, compassionate or a high vibration way, it's it's wonderful when you feel the world coming back in waves giving you the same thing also love and also purity and also good intentions etc um and then you know you go through that cycle or a period of time then it's really easy to say that is that is so rewarding and that's the kind of life i want to build um so yeah so this is the, the book that really um, was extremely important to me and I, I recommend it to, to people who are trying to, who are in the process of finding themselves and, and mm -hmm. trying to find their core values. So were they the kind of practical steps you took when you were kind of feeling lost and you were looking at the bigger picture questions of life that are oftentimes not answerable, you know? Um, I read a lot. Um, I try to I I try to reach out for existing resources on books and there's immense resources on these. You just have to, you know, discipline yourself to time on this. Um, taking those surveys and and questionnaires and digging inside. You know, reaching out to mentors and talking to people who can stimulate your thinking process on this. Mm. And the funny thing is that you know, just do these three things. It will snowball because one thing will one topic will lead you to the other. You'll become curious about learning more about this and you learning about that. So the process, you know, I was simple question of what what is there must be more than this. It led me to a, a full seven year of then I started digging into psychology because one of the the books led me to there and you know psychology, economics, and, and the politics, and people, and the world, and they, in the end, you find out, oh, they all tie in together, hmm. and then it makes you just, at a whole level, much more aware, um, so, but those three things are the same, you know, the topics can change, but 
through those questionnaires on many things. There are questionnaires about your strengths and weaknesses. There are questionnaires about what profession's best for you. There's um, questionnaires about different, you know, human relationships. Talking to people, also your audience could be different um, and they could nourish you on different levels. And yeah, and reading. It, and people are so aware about this now. I mean, 20 years before it also existed, but it was a niche. Hmm. Now it's a widespread um, phenomenon that people are looking for meaning and purpose in life and, and work. It's no longer a niche topic, it's, it's a mainstream. So there is a plethora of resources available. I also listen to podcasts um, and interviews with people who I, I admire and, and who inspire me. Again, knowing you know who I want to be and, and who inspires me, etc. So, one of the podcasts I listen a lot to is Oprah Winfrey, um, her Superstar Sunday. You know, and she's someone who's extremely admirable because she also found her own definition, and then she um, she dedicated her entire life in in spreading and championing um, and trying to create awareness in everyone to, to live a more meaningful life. And, um, and I have to say, building it into our own um, daily routine is very important because what I found is that doing little chunks of it every day and having some kind of stimulation and, and inspiration process is better than if you know you go on a retreat or you know a long weekend one week and you try to cram in all those those mm -hmm. books um it's much more efficient on a daily because it's daily small baby steps of transformation from inside out so last year what was really interesting was because you know last year in my sabbatical i also had great opportunities to um to um observe and to understood the the importance of morning routines to very successful leaders and CEOs and and to say we all have 24 hours but how do you cram in all those information and growth and, and etc in your day what was your secret what I found is that you know everyone and including the people that we we read just in media today they all have a morning routine um, and they just crafted, and most of the time it in, involves in you know getting up early and, and doing cramming those routines in, um, in order to condition themselves into their best condition in the morning before they then head off to their work. And I have to say, I am not a morning person. I'm a night person, so I, it's really a chore. It's not easy for me to wake up in the morning. But when I then found value to say, when I do this morning ritual. I become a better ver version of myself and I th therefore the value of this makes me want to get up early. So in the morning I get up at six and I spend an hour um, reading the news with a cup of green tea and it's just my moment and usually it's still dark outside and I'm on my massage chair and just you know going through the news all the big titles and just having them on apps you know like set titles and apps and you just remove the thought to say, well, what am I going to look at today? You just press the same three titles every day. You follow through the headlines and you just digest them that way. So by the end of the hour, I've had my quiet time. I know what's going on in the world. I'm kept up with everything. And I, I feel confident that I know what's happening out there. Then I go and get ready um, for work. And, you know, usually that's 
maybe like an, an hour or something. And I do it leisurely as well. I finish my cup of green tea, which is good for health. Then I, I put on, um, I listen to the French radio to, to enhance my language skills and, you know, half an hour every day or 15 minutes on world news in French, um, which echoes what I had read in English earlier. Then I switch to podcasts and inspirational podcasts for half an hour or a TED talk or two. And during that transformation, you know, those two, three hours of quiet time to myself, I become serene and solid because I know what's happening. Then I, the podcast of inspirational leaders and conversations that stimulate me, I can literally feel my, my vibration being lifted to the highest uh, form to the place where, yes, I want to serve. Yes, I want to, you know, have free will and I'm going to react and, and being in my highest, most brightest, most noble condition and state of mind. And I'm ready to go and face the world. And when I do that, I, I, I feel a difference, you know, I, because my mindset is conditioned in the highest vibration, I am much more compassionate to the world. I, am, I make better decisions as a leader um, to the teams, to the people. I make decisions that's based on integrity and all my core values. Then the world responds that way. And by the end of the day, I feel wonderful and I feel fulfilled and I feel like, yes, the day's not perfect, but majority, I really like myself because I was in my best version. On the days where I, you know, perhaps I was tired from business dinners the night before and then so in the morning, I couldn't get up in as early to do those morning routines. I don't have time to read the news between six to seven. I perhaps am rushing through getting ready um, and, you know, I don't have time to listen to podcasts and really digest it in a good state of mind and conditioning my, my elevating steadily my vibration to my highest level. I'll just like rush through getting ready and on the outside, I will look exactly the same, um, you know, with makeup, hair, wardrobe, everything. But inside I was different. I would be different because I'm still me, but my vibration is, is mid or lower level of what I know I'm capable of. And it's just an, I'm a mundane, my mundane kind of human level uh, brain. Mm -hmm. So then I go out and face the world. And you know what? The world happens. And every day, you know, it's, the world doesn't change. But the way I react to it changes. So perhaps I'm a little bit more short-tempered. Perhaps I'm um, not as compassionate. Maybe I'm more judgmental to people in situations. Maybe then I give in to decisions that are easier and perhaps not, you know, what I've, what I have conviction for, et cetera. And the world responds accordingly. And by the end of the day, you know, again, the day's not perfect, but I, I, you know, I, do I really like myself that day? There's probably many things that I, you know, that I can identify to say, I didn't really like, you know, that version of myself to make those choices, et cetera. The good thing is I found out that they're all, all the good and bad are good for 24 hours. Everything resets, our consciousness resets after a good sleep. So there is a chance to, you know, redo that in the morning um, and, and restart the day. And I think the key is to listen to ourselves and to find 
what are the routine activities that what are the activities that we can put into a routine in the morning and just follow that to condition us into our best self in the morning so that we're ready to face the world and i find that life is much more productive um much more high quality in that sense and i cannot stress the, um, the the importance of inner quality of life our space of mind the the beauty of our souls and personalities and its real work its discipline and its evolution the investment in working on our inner beauty really has a direct impact to the quality and the joy and the in the per meaning of our lives the quality that we live hmm. yeah it's a lot in there. Uh, I suppose the morning routines, they do set you up for the day. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay with the days that you mightn't be perfect. Like, it, what I got from that there is that you're striving for your best self. Yes. Okay with the fact that, that doesn't involve perfection. It doesn't look like perfection. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's purely just striving for the best version of ourselves. If we are a spectrum, how do I always live in the majority of the time that I can in my brightest brights, that's it. And um, I'm feeling joy for that. And the key is to find what works for you. Mm. Because, you know, for example, so find what works for you and give you that, um, and monitor what, what puts you in that higher vibration. And that's it. Don't follow what the world says would put you in a higher vibration. Because for example, for me, Meditation doesn't work for me. I tried and I couldn't because my mind is buzzing or for some reason it just didn't work for me. Mm. Um, I don't feel it elevating me in my vibrations. However, listening to those podcasts, inspirational podcasts, of, you know, I find that, oh yes, you know, when I listen to courage, it, it inspires my courage and therefore I'm lifted. And stick with whatever um, uh, activities that put you that elevates your vibration go with that and then you know group them all together and say I need to um, I think morning news is incredibly important um, to to have an opinion and to know how to help and how to serve the world you have to know the context and I know it's hard for a lot of people and I had to find time to fit that in as well but having that morning routine set and not having to think about it, make it become a routine. Um, that chunk of time to yourself to think, to reflect, to condition yourself in your best version is so important. And I think it's a, it's a, it makes a huge difference the rest of the day. And our lives are made of, of days, really. So um, I cannot stress the now I, I learned to understand. Before I would read articles to say, oh, you know, this and that CEO or people in high power jobs, this how they get up at 5.30 and they do this and that. Like, why? I don't understand. Or I, that sounds great, but I can't find the self-discipline to do it. Well, it happens. The self-discipline happens when you find that the great value and the great joy um, it brings to life because and the, and the transformation of inner beauty as well, I think, you know, in, in terms of the quality of our soul, you just like that version of you so much more and you know what your potential could be. And when you're, when you're conditioned that way, you know, when you're in your best version, you're able to see the best in everyone else too. Mm. And you're able to then say, 
I am I embrace you in, in all of you and I'm able to see your your best potential and I tell you about it and I'm gen you know then you feel so comfortable to be generous to to uplift people because you yourself are uplifted. You can't give other people what you don't have. And when you're uplifted, you're in your higher vibration, you're able to even in your daily interactions bring out the higher vibration in other people. And you know, have time to to do projects like this to serve, and ultimately, I think that's the meaning um, of our existence. That we didn't, you know, I I would be very happy to that if someone, you know, even in our podcast, if one person heard about it and and feel something inside them, and they were able to to gain from this. You and my time doing this podcast today would have been worth it. And the more we can do that, the more value our life has. Same thing I think Bill Gates, you know, at the end of his his life, he he won't be thinking about how many, you know, computers and, and sales and revenue that um Microsoft has done, even though it's a legendary um company. I think he would be most proud and and happy about how how many lives um, the Bill Gates and Melinda Foundation was able to to um, touch in people's world, and they're and they're championing health, global health, and etc. So I think you know, and that applies to a lot of people too. But first of all, it comes with awareness, self knowledge, and um, doing inner work, and kind of uh, trying to obtain a better state of inner mind, and and then life changes. Hmm, makes sense. That's that's good stuff. Um, so, for anybody listening, how like can somebody reach out to you and? Um, absolutely. Doing- yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, uh, after every, you know, after the projects, usually you know people then reach out. They want to talk more, etc. And that's what we're here for. We're here for to to offer that kind of dialogue um, to 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 guide them through it. Um, quite unconditionally. So they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, if they type in Shirley Lou L'Oreal, I'm, I'm there and, you know, reach out and we can always have a call, a quick call. And I'm, I always make time for this. And I think this is one of the best ways to give, um, to give back. Um, yeah. And to, you know, accompany them through their careers. Cool. I can put the link in the, the notes as well if you want of your LinkedIn profile yeah. so they can click in there and uh, yeah, you. pleasure. Cool. Thanks for that for us, Charlie. Um, so yeah, it was great talking to you today and, and learning more about your journey and the process and how I guess universal this is too. Um, so Absolutely. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dennis, and congratulations again for doing the happiness mindset. This. Uh, courageous platform and i hope it grows and you know is there anything that we can support on and help and you know refer to don't hesitate i think this is really a community of like-minded people wanting to give and serve and add value and um and it's great cool thanks again shirley so until next time have fun and enjoy the process thank you